Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is January 23rd, and of course, we record these on Sunday, so it's no surprise that 23rd is a Sunday. I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast for being a part of it. Couldn't do it without them. Pirelli Tires, Plum Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Fast Foundry, Works Connection, Grant Stone Boots, Pro Glow Wash, and Fly Racing. I'll have some... uh, some cool info and some advice from Plum Creek Funding, and we'll do our uh, Pro Glow question of the week later on as well, so you can win a prize. I have a bunch of those saved, so continue to send those questions in. We're going to give away more prizes. I think maybe I need to get some clearance from Pirelli, but I want to set, I want to give away a set of Pirelli tires for the next show. So send me questions if you have them. Plenty of action that went on at San Diego that could uh, you could derive some questions from, and I I literally just got off Twitter because. I tweeted Ricky Carmichael after a video replay from the race I saw last night. And listen, Carmichael, best racer ever, in my opinion, the sport's ever seen across all the platforms, Supercross, Motocross. I don't care, you know, which continent you're on. To me, Ricky Carmichael is the best that we've ever seen. But his analysis that he thinks that Bogle stalled and then restarted and then goosed it into... Barsha unintentionally that that's possibly the worst analysis I've ever seen I understand these things happen quickly maybe he didn't know that Barsha had taken Bogle out earlier that's okay I'm not even saying you needed to know that but Ricky knows enough to see Bogle on the rear brake he takes a peek to his left he didn't even go towards the berm for God's sakes into the corner right he has no intentions of going around that corner normally like that was a hundred percent premeditated retaliation. I mean, he was disqualified from the damn race for it, you know, and and I know that stuff's in hindsight, but Ricky is really, really smart with this stuff. So I was, I probably came off too harsh on him. And if he gets angry, I'll apologize to him, but he's better than that. It's just really, really below him to say that that Bogle did that on purpose. I'm, I'm guessing my guess would be that he was not sure that Bogle did it on purpose. He didn't think of why Bogle had motivation to do it, and he was scared to be wrong in saying what his eyes told him. That, that's what I think. I think he saw what I saw. He saw what we all saw. Bogle went inside, peeked to his left, waited for, to, for Barsha to get in the apex, and just blasted him. Like It's really straightforward, but I think Ricky was scared of the backlash of being wrong in the moment, so he went with whatever, whatever that analysis was. That, that's my take. Anyway, we're way off 
topic for where we should have started this podcast, but that literally just happened 30 seconds before I started recording, so it's fresh in my mind, and I'm still absolutely flabbergasted that that's what Ricky thought, or that's what, more importantly, that's what he said on live television. Anyway, okay, let's talk about the 250 class. I mean, Mosman got it done, right? We've seen this coming. This has been brewing for a while. And speaking of brewing, if I have sips of my coffee during this, just bear with me. I know that's horrible radio. I, I hate that you have to hear that, but it's early. I'm trying to get this podcast done for all of you to get it as quickly as I can to you so you have some sort of you know, commentary on what you just saw. And plus, I want to watch football later today. That's, that's part of it as well. So just bear with me as I drink my coffee. But Mosman, it was about time, honestly. Like, I'm not even saying for this year. I think last year he should have won a race. I think the field was set up. His ability was there. The circumstances were right. He just couldn't finish, period. He has not been able to finish until last night. And even then, it wasn't a cakewalk. Hunter Lawrence gave him all he wanted. And even down to the last lap, I was thinking, is Mosman going to blow this? Like, is he litter- Is he really going to let Hunter Lawrence make some last-ditch desperation pass here? Because I don't think he would ever get over that. You know, he'd, I'm sure he'll go on with his career, but mentally, he would just never forgive himself for an, a last-lap meltdown like that. But he didn't. He got it done. That didn't happen. Uh, and, and he's put himself back into some sort of championship conversation. Now, his first two rounds didn't help, right? They put him in a hole. But I think if he could get on some sort of roll here, it's conceivable. We're only three rounds in. It's not like he has a DNF on his resume. He just needs to get some wins under his belt to have a chance. So good job from him. I like the kid. I think he's genuinely a very nice person. Um, I think he comes off a little... I don't know, clumsy or his interviews are a little clunky, but yeah, whatever. He's just being himself. And I think, I think, you know, I know his brother pretty well, Josh, and I, I don't know Michael as well, but I think they're, you know, very the same person as far as personality and how they were brought up. Um, good family. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to see him do well. Like I have no qualms. He used to wear fly racing. Now he's on, you know, gas, gas, TLD. So um, all good, man. Good. Con- congratulations to him. Good job. Switching into Hunter Lawrence, I mean, Hunter rode incredibly well, right? He pressured Moseman the entire way. Then he crashes trying to make the pass, you know, commendable. Nothing wrong with that. It wasn't like some huge crash where he was out of control. Just, it just didn't work out. He gets up, puts in another charge, and almost gets it done. Almost, right? And that's been, I think, the storyline for Hunter Lawrence's season so far is almost, he just hasn't been able to finish yet, right? Mosman got his. A lot of people were predicting Hunter to win last night. I was not, so I was almost very dead wrong, which I would have been called out on by everybody. But he's still right there. He cut the points lead down to a few. What is it? Should be uh, five now, I think. I'm not looking at it, but I'm pretty sure it's five. So he's right in this thing. And the key for him is just to continue to be there, right? Get your wins when they're possible. And he hasn't been able to do it yet. I think he will get a win or two, you know, maximize your points there, but keep the pressure on Christian. Don't let him exhale at all, right? Every single time the gate drops, Christian needs to be thinking about, I can't screw up. I can't screw up. I can't screw up. And if you, if you can apply that much pressure all the time, good things generally happen just as a, as an overall approach and an overall 
kind of theme. If you have pressure on somebody all the time, it's very rare that riders in this sport can withstand pressure all the time without cracking at all. Now you could say that last night was the first crack for Christian, but I don't necessarily believe that because I think he showed a lot of resiliency and poise picking himself up off the ground and that, you know, he had a big first turn crash. If I don't know what they showed on TV, but it was pretty heavy, right? He was flipping and I was like, man, is he hurt? Like, is he going to be able to get up here? Uh, and he did. He, he showed a lot of uh, fortitude. He didn't freak out. And that's what I liked most about his ride. You know, the speed and his whoop prowess and all that is is kind of obvious. Like, everybody should be impressed by that. But I think his ability to stay calm and just just focus on your lap times, right? And, you know, I've been around this for so long. It's easy for me to tell someone that and understand the dynamic of it because I've watched everybody in the sport from David Bailey and Rick Johnson to McGrath to Carmichael and Stanton's and Bradshaw's and Bill Poto's and Dungey's. I've watched them all go through the maturation process and, and dealing with adversity and how do you handle a, a disaster, right? A meltdown, first turn crash, your bike's breaking, you're, you're dealing with a mechanical in the middle of a race. Like how do these guys all deal with that? And I've watched them get better. So I, I, I feel like I have a good grasp of from the outside, I'm not doing this. I don't have to deal with this, but from the outside, telling someone how to deal with it, right. And in, in, in like a coaching role. And if you're on the pit board, you know, first thing when they come around is calm down, right? Get your breathing under control, relax, focus on going fast on the racetrack. Don't worry about the points. Don't worry about what Hunter and Moseman and those guys are doing out front. You can't do anything about that. That's already done. They're gone. They're half a lap ahead of you. All you can do is put in your best lap times, right? Focus on what your lap times were in the heat race, what they were in practice, what your, you know, and a lot of these guys will have target lap times of like, okay, I want to be doing 48 fives every lap of the main event. That's what I think will get it done. That's kind of where my upper end of the range is and where I want to be. So focus on that, get your breathing down and then nail those 48 fives lap after lap after lap. If you can do that, if you're putting in your best pace, you're going to move forward. And you could even like look at, he could even tell him like, okay, leader pace X and then your pace X. All right. He has something to focus on, right? If, if Moseman out front with a clear tracks doing a 48 flat, you could even tell him that like, this is the lead pace. You're doing a 48 three in traffic, right? And, and try to get to that 48 zero. Don't worry about passing people. Don't worry about what place you're in. Don't worry about the championship points. That'll all sort itself out. Just worry about what you can control. And that that's really in all aspects of life, I think. Uh, I really am trying to embrace that is worry about things you can, can control. Do everything you can about those things you can control. Everything else, who cares? Because you can't control it anyway, so why are you going to stress about it? Why are you going to worry about it? You're just going to drive yourself crazy thinking about that stuff. The things you can do, and in this case, Christian Craig can focus on getting lap times, Stay, you know, making smart decisions is another big part of that. Don't rush it, right? When you're coming up on the Shimo, whoever, Shimoda, lesser guys, right? Guys in 12th that you know you're going to blow past them. Don't force it. Just wait for the opening. You know where you're fast. You're fast on the dragon's back. You're fast in the whoops. You know, and, and if they show you an opening in the corner, take it. But don't make a stupid move that could raise or elevate your chances of crashing again. Just be patient. You know the field is weak. Hammocker's out. Nickel's out. 
all these guys are out, you know that where you can get to if you just put your head down, make smart decisions, and put in fast lap times. He did all of those things, and you saw what the result was. He got back to third. Now, he had to deal with Vince Freeze, who I'll talk about in, that, in a minute, but that I think that's what I was most impressed with is that he was able to keep his composure and just do the laps and just get back to the front and minimize the damage. So great job from him. I really liked what I saw on that front. Not a, you know, not a great night otherwise, right? He lost to his biggest competitors in Moseman and, and Hunter, but they're going to be tough nights. I don't think that Hunter's going to have a, a night where everything kind of goes his way every time. Not that it did last night, but close enough. You know, he didn't get caught up in the first turn pileup. He was able to get up quickly from his crash. Like, it was overall a good night. Um, regardless of how he kind of thinks about it, my perspective is that it was a good night for him. He closed down the championship points, another podium, showed speed, all those things. So, uh, Freezy, I mean, he just continues to, to Freezy, right? He, he's just, he is who he is. Nothing's going to change that. Doesn't matter who talks to him. Doesn't matter who tries to have a breakthrough kind of revelation moment for him. He doesn't, I don't think he cares about any of that or he either gets it, doesn't care, or just will never get it. Those are the only two options that I I see. Um, You know, he didn't knock Christian down, came pretty close. I don't think that it was something he wouldn't have done, right? If he could have gotten a clear shot at him, I think he would have taken it, right? He tried to pin him in that corner and hope he would fall down over the top and make no mistake. That's what that move is. When you go to the top, you push somebody to the top and then you stop, you're hoping that they high or I guess low side over you because you you've lost all your momentum. You can't put your foot down to the bottom side because the, you know, Vince is there. So if you don't lean left, which Christian did, you're going to fall. And it's, you know, it's, it's a tactic that, you know, every rider at his level or most pros know how to execute. I don't, really think it's that cool you're not intentionally trying to you know try to get guys to fall down he didn't make hard contact so I will give Vince a little credit there it's not like he went in and and tried to t-bone him which he has done so many times in the past so I'm trying to be fair with Vince everyone knows I hate how he races but it was more of a nuisance than it was like an oh my god what are you doing which there is a rider that we'll get to in the 450 class that was doing that last night Um, so I'll, I'll be I'll go easier on him it was annoying. I'm sure Christian wasn't thrilled, but in the scale of zero to freezy, it was like a five. You know, it wasn't it wasn't too too bad. Now, if that was uh, Mosman doing that, I would be like, "Damn, Mosman! Like, what are you doing? That's not your character." But for freezy, it's kind of kind of whatever. Anyway, overall 250 class, uh, it's tight, and I think it's going to stay tight simply because. There's not enough depth, right? You saw Christian go from last by 10 seconds to third, right? There's just, it's similar to last year. The East Coast will be the same. There's not enough depth. So unless you have a catastrophic event, crashing or mechanical, you're not going to be able to make up huge points. There's just not enough good guys to separate. So Moseman, if he crashes and is able to continue on at his normal pace, he's going to get back in the top five, just like he has. That's just where the series is. So you're going to have to win. You're going to have to beat guys straight up, I think. And all that tells me is the best guy's going to win, which I'm cool with. You know, I'm cool with. But I think being relatively consistent and not having strong nights, I don't think we'll get it done. That's not the type of series this is. That's more of a 450 approach than a 250. 
250, this class is going to get it done by winning and being first or second most times out. That's what it's going to take to win because your bad nights, you're going to get third or fourth, right? So there's just not enough there to be like, you know what? I'm just going to get second every time. Like Car- like uh, Ferry did in 97, right? We all know that story. Mathis talks about it all the time. He got second most of the rounds, right? And he, he didn't win a race, but he was always right there close. He didn't even win a race, but he got it done in the end because there was depth. Carmike was crashing his brains out. Rancada was all over the place, but they were crazy fast and, and faster, I would argue, than Ferry was. But there was enough depth and those guys were inconsistent enough to allow Ferry to get it done. That's not what this is. That's how the 450 class is, right? I think Webb, who we'll get to, is in that mindset. He's just like, just keep me around the podium. Just, you know, I'll, I'll start winning later when the series shakes itself out. But right now, just keep me near the podium. Everything will be fine. Like, he wants to win. Don't get me wrong there. I'm not saying he doesn't want to win. Of course he wants to win. But I don't think it's the... There's not such a, an emphasis on it right now. You don't have to win. Like, if you don't win rounds two and three, you're not like, man, it's, the title's slipping away. There is none of that. That feeling is, is just not even in the thought process right now, right? You just want to be near the front, okay? The one, and, and I'm getting too far ahead of myself. We're talking about the two pitties. We're about to wrap that up. So let's stay there. But I just think it's going to be a tight series all the way down the stretch uh, because – I just don't think there's enough separation. And Christian could have a 15-point lead going into the finale. I'm not saying that's not out of the question. But I don't think he's going to win at a race early like maybe I did a few weeks ago. Because these guys keep getting hurt. It's getting easier and easier to rebound from adversity. So anyway, we do the power rankings on industry seating. If you're new to this, uh, that's just how I roll. I like to I like to rank these guys top 10. And they move around, and I, I like to give notes on each one. It also keeps me in check as far as a time frame and a timeline and see how things are trending, make sure I don't miss any of the key guys. And, and people get upset about the power rankings, whatever. It's, it's just my opinion, and I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I sit, I sit here for two hours, you know, laying out bullet points for each one. Like, this is why he should be three and not four. It's not like that, right? I go off the eye test. I'll look at it. I'll scan it back a couple times, edit it, make sure there's no glaring mistake because I I have done that in the past, left people out, et cetera. Um, But this is a fluid situation, right? These guys can move. They can be different next week and and they are different this week than they were last week. And that's, that's kind of the point of it. So at number 10, I have Marvin Muscan. And really, I have many more questions than I do answers. You know, what the hell was going on with Marv in that main event? He was winning. I thought he was going to win. You know, you look at his qualifying time, crazy good. You watch his heat race, crazy fast. You watch the first couple laps of the main event, more of the same. Looks ready to go win. And then I don't know what happened, right? And I need to ask some questions. Maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe there was a mechanical. Maybe he hurt himself and was just trying to salvage something. But I don't know, man. Arm pump, maybe. You know, I'm literally trying to to find any reason for what I saw. Like, he was just getting shuffled backwards consistently. And that was not the Marvin we watched all day. That is not indicative of what any of us should have expected. After practices, qualifying, 
heat race, all that. Like he was just much better than that. So I, I, I'm looking forward to getting more information to getting to the bottom of that. I'm sure in the review pod by tonight, we'll, uh, we'll have maybe a little bit more insight. At number nine, I have AP. Uh, it was kind of a recovery night from start to finish. You know, you saw the crash in the first turn of the heat race. So he's last. He gets in on the last lap by passing Brees. So nice recovery there. But the problem is, is that you just absolutely screw yourself for your main event gate pick. And then it's kind of this snowball effect of negative, you know, negative percentage chance of doing well. And then, of course, bad start in the main that leads to a worse finish than he would prefer. So it's just kind of one of those things that once you get behind the eight ball and you get things going the wrong direction, it's really hard to flip that script and, and make it turn out for the positive. It's just a, you know, it's, it's something that happens in any kind of racing. If you get yourself in a bad spot early, it's really hard to get out of that. Just like whether it's NASCAR or formula one or Moto G, if you qualify poorly in, you know, Q2, of MotoGP and you're starting 10th versus second, it's really hard to do much about that. You know, and those guys talk about all the time is you lose, I don't know, 30 yards of track position right off the bat. And instead of being able to control your own, your own destiny, now you have to be significantly better than everybody to get a good result. And that's kind of where AP was. He's outside on the, on the starting gate. So then he's just got to beat everybody there and not get pushed out and not get run into. And yeah, he wasn't able to do those things. So at nine, I feel like it's fair. He's had two, one horrible, well, I guess two mediocre races and one great one. Um, so I don't feel too bad about putting him at nine, especially when you start talking about the guys in front of him. Mookie at eight, kind of more of the same. Um, you know, I, I just don't, I'm I'm looking more for uh, the breakout ride. You know, I just want to see a little bit more from him. Um, I just think he's he's better than what his results are showing us. We haven't seen his his best result yet. Um, I just I think there's more, and we're seeing it in qualifying. We're seeing it in practice. Uh, and we're just not quite there on the results sheet yet. I think we're, I think it's coming, right? And I think we're going to get there. I'm just waiting for that one ride where it's like, okay, the light switch has flipped. And now it's time to see what he's really capable of. Because I, I don't think he's intentionally holding anything back. I just don't think it's all clipped yet. We're seeing flashes of it. We're seeing you know, the old Mookie and the whoops at times. Um, he just needs to start. He needs to get up front. He needs that confidence of like, I can beat these guys. And then I, I think the entire, I think everything's possible in front of him, right? And, I, and I'm sorry if I'm struggling for the words. I'm just trying to correctly convey where I think he can take this thing if he's able to put them, put everything together, right? It, it's all got to be one collective package. And I feel like he's just still missing a couple parts of it. So we'll see if he's able to do it, right? It's not everybody can ever gets there. You know, it's not like it's some predetermined destiny or fate that he's going to ever figure that out. I just think that he absolutely can do it. Uh, number seven, Don Ferrandis. He's riding well, man. Like you can't argue how good the riding is, right? He looks great. He looks much better than last year. He seems like he's been able to eliminate the mistakes that were so prevalent last year. And that was one of my 
boxes he needed to check last year. He needs he needed to figure out why the mistakes were happening. Is it him? Was it setup that was making those more uh, likely? You know, what was going on? And, and I haven't seen those yet. So good for him. Like he he did have a rear brake issue at A one. So I'm kind of reducing that being on him. But the rest of it, the riding's been really good. Now the one thing is the starts are still missing, you know, and we talked about that. That was the other box is he's got to figure out the starts and he, and he has not done that. Eli Tomac did this weekend. His starts were significantly better and you see what happens. So was that an Eli thing? Did they maybe change something on the bike that helped Eli? Can Dylan benefit from some of that, you know, progress and maybe they're doing some testing. Maybe they're doing some clutch changes, but that's to me, that's, that's all of it with, uh, with Dylan, can he make that next step? Can he get the starts? Because everything, just like I was saying with Mookie, it's all in front of him. It's all possible. If Dylan can get the start, I feel the same way. But until I see him consistently start well, then I don't know. Like, I think, you know, third, fourth, fifth is probably as good as it's going to get. Unless it's just some heroic ride like we saw, you know, what Jason Anderson was putting in. That's that's really the outlier is you, he's going to need a ride like that. I just got a tweet back from Ricky. He's not happy with me. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to need to tweet back at him and back it down a little bit. Like I came in hot. I get it, but I hated, I hated the analysis. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll tweet back while we're recording this, but real, real time drama, Twitter drama going down right now. Uh, I do want to thank the sponsors of this before we get too far, too far gone. Uh, Pirelli check out that range of Scorpion MX 32 mid soft mini tires. Uh, Plum Creek Funding, one thing that uh, Zach Morris that is uh, at Plum Creek Funding, his number is 720-212-4685, by the way. He wanted to mention that he can help with credit scores. As interest rates start to go up, it's going to get more challenging to get a home loan. That's just how this is going to go. Money's going to get tighter. And when I say tighter, it's going to become more challenging. The Fed is going to get more hawkish in their approach. Money will get more stringent and, and more difficult to attain, and you're going to need a higher credit score. Zach can give you a process and some tips to get that credit score up, so it'll help you get a you know the lowest rate possible, or even just your loan approved at all. Uh, so reach out to Zach and, and check that out. Guts Racing, they are a sponsor of the Rockstar Husky team. Chaotic night for Rockstar Husky. Dean had a huge crash. Swole's just coming back, uh, but check out those graphics. Get your custom graphics made with Guts Racing. Get that RJ wide wing seat. Go to gutsracing.com. They have a ton of great products over there. Get your seat covers. So you're not sliding all over your motorcycle, uh, but couldn't recommend Guts Racing any more than I already do. Fast Foundry, great company, right? They are uh, in the space of helping, whether it's a Fortune 500 company or large business or you know small business, startup, whatever. Get your business more efficient. I, I really like the approach of, you know, for me, I have a small business, right? My approach would be to go to, you know, Robert Carrico at Fast Foundry and just ask questions like, how can you help? These are the challenges that my business faces. This is what I find tough, right? These are what's, this is what's holding us back from growing, taking the next step, getting my business to where it wants to be. Or if you're just, working at a large business and you see headwinds, you see challenges that are holding the company back, ask the question, right? You don't have to have the answer and say, hey, I just need you to execute this. That, that to me, 
I think there's much more likelihood of you understanding the problem, but not necessarily having a solution for it and dealing with fly racing. I know <laughs> there's a ton of that on our end. Like I, I can diagnose a hundred problems for you. Being able to fix those is that's where all the problem, that's where all the, you know, the, the value lies is someone smarter than me and companies smarter than, than my ceiling telling us how to fix those. So reach out to Robert fastfoundry.com and see what he can do for you today. Works connection. Guess what? More whole shots for the works connection team, right? Chase Sexton, they use works connection. They've used it for a very long time. They win Kenny whole shots all the time. Star racing. They whole shot all the time. Not a shock that they all use the pro launch start device from works connection. So go to at works connection on Instagram Go to worksconnection.com. Use the promo code JT21 at checkout. Save yourself some money there as well. Uh, Grandstone boots. You all know I wear Grandstone boots, right? I don't wear them on race day, full disclosure, because I walk like literally a dozen or more miles. Like I'm literally, I I don't stop moving so often and, and wearing boots, my feet would be destroyed. But if I'm going to dinner, you know, if I have meetings at the office where I need to, to dress nicely, you can bet that I have my Grandstone boots on. So check those guys out. They have what I believe to be the best quality of boot in the marketplace. And you know, most of you have jobs where you probably are in an office setting, not everybody, but even if you wanted to just go to dinner on the weekend, you want to dress nicely, why don't you get yourself some Grandstone boots? Now Pro Glow Wash, great company, and they have power sports specific washes, right? That's what their product is. They're, they have a degreaser as well. And I have a, a dedicated read for this, but I like to mix it up. I like to speak from the heart on some of this stuff. And for me, I think there are way too many people out there that are just going to Walmart and they're buying Simple Green or something that's really generic. It's not specifically built for power sports at all. It's not built to take off chain lube or you know any of the crap that we put on uh, like penetrant lube or any of those things that we use for motorcycles, right? You just need that stuff to keep your bike in top order. Well, when you're trying to wash it and get all that residue off, right? If it flung chain lube all over your, your hub and sprocket and swing arm, which is common, that happens all the time. You want to make your bike look good. You need something that's formulated to get that crud, crud, is that a word? Off your motorcycle. So check out ProGlow. Use the promo code MOTO15. And let's just jump into the, uh, the question of the week. Speaking of ProGlow. So this comes to us from David Barry, and he wins the, uh, the ProGlow prize pack for this week. His question, I was curious what your thoughts are on Max Anstey's change from the Suzuki, which is Twisted T Suzuki, to the Rocky Mountain KTM. He seems very happy and smooth. Will that translate to better results in Supercross and eventually outdoors? So I believe you're already seeing that, right? He gets uh, 12th last night. He's been right around that 12th spot. That seems like kind of where he stacks up in this class for now. I think that's better than last year. I I think that's hard to argue, Um, just straight data. But I think you're going to see the big change in the outdoor series. Uh, You know, we, we all know that, you know, Max made his name in MXGP. He won motos. I mean, he's bested Jer- uh, Jeffrey Hurlings at times. He can do things that most people can't on a motocross track. And I think deep down, he understands that. And he knows that his podiums and the top end of what he can possibly do is going to be in 
the motocross series. Like, period. I, I just think that's where his like when he signed this deal and he got he's getting on a KTM and and he's thinking of where he can go. I think he was immediately thinking motocross. I don't personally think Supercross is what you know lit his eyes up. I could be wrong. Maybe he's like, man, I, I I'm gonna make it happen in Supercross. That's possible. I personally don't believe that. I believe he knows his strength is in motocross. And yes, to answer the question, I do believe that outdoors he is going to take a big step because the equipment is significantly better. So watch for that. You know, I'm not saying he's going to win, but I think instead of getting eighth, you know, at, a, at an outdoor, I think he gets fourth or fifth, right? With the upside being a podium. So congrats to David on that. Thanks for the question. And uh, on with the show we go. Need to thank Fly Racing, of course, too. It's where I work every day. Um, thank you for them for all the things that they do. Allow me to go to the races, you know, all the things they support me and allow me to go to Europe and MXGP and all those things. Uh, I don't take that stuff for granted. So do you want me to tweet back at Ricky before we continue on? I think we should. I think I'm going to do it right now on air. I'm going to tweet back. Um, I, I probably came in hot. Uh, so let's, uh, let's just let's do it right here. Uh, let's see. So Ricky, not happy. Uh, say, sorry, probably came in hot there. Lots, lots of coffee already. So you can hear me. I'm, I'm walking this back a little bit, right? I, I like Ricky. I have a ton of respect for him. Uh, I just know your racing IQ and no, you would be able to dissect that correctly. Um, <clears throat> have you seen the replay of Barsha's initial move yet? Okay, fair enough. I walked it back some, it's fair, but I still don't. I still don't like his analysis at all, like at all. Um, and I, I won't back away from that. Like he's saying, uh, what, what's he saying? I'm way off topic. Here. I apologize. He said he looked at me like he stalled it, and he, then he fired it up and went straight. Um, so he's being cool. I, I know he's pissed at me. I just know him well enough for that. I've known him since he was like seven years old. Um. But I'm not scared to walk it back a little bit. It's fine. So anyway, on with the show. Number five, Chase Sexton. And what more can you say about Sexton? He wins the race. And that's what we've been waiting on. And kudos to Trey Kennard. He came on the Fly Racing Radio Show on Saturday afternoon that we always do at 5 p.m. Or whatever, like right after the last practice. And he basically said, if Sexton gets out front again, he's going to win. Like you will see a different Chase Sexton this year with a lead like that than you've seen before. And he nailed it. I mean, spot on called the shot. Really? Um, I did, I did predict Sexton would win San Diego, uh, on the show after watching him practice. So I, I take a little credit there, but I mean, Kennard's analysis for Sexton overall was Im- impressive. Like he nailed it. Right. And he has up close personal knowledge. He tests with him. He rides with him. He's around him a lot. So I would guess, you know, he had a good feeling for that, but still, still cool either way to, uh, to hear Kennard say that and then just watch it manifest itself. So as far as the power rankings go, I think 
Sexton could improve or move up the scale rather quickly. I still have him at five because on a, on a bigger picture, I think that's where he deserves to be, right? He has one win. He's been inconsistent. He didn't have a great Oakland in the main event anyway. So I, I think he still deserves to be behind some of these guys. Now that could change. I could move him quickly. And did I skip Barsha? I may have skipped Barsha. So Barsha's at six. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I apologize if I, if I skip Barsha. Barsha had a hell of a night blasting everybody. I mean, hit the, the incident with him and Bogle, which I was tweeting Ricky about, he knocked Bogle down, period. Listen to Brayton's comments. If he does any interviews, maybe the pulp cast. Brayton's talking about Barsha just blasting everybody into oblivion the entire race in, right in front of him. Takes Bogle down, and then Bogle had enough. Bogle waited. Barsha came around. He took a look to it. He's a lap down, by the way, Bogle is. Takes a look to his left and just absolutely hooks him up. Hooks him up. And uh, it was really clear to me what was going on, which was the you know the whole Twitter thing that we've been dealing with this during this recording. But Barsha, man, you got to calm down, dude. I, I, you, you see what happens when people get fed up, right? You have the red plate, and then someone who's not even on the same lap as you is so fed up and so pissed off that they just decided to knock you out, knock you down, like blatantly. That's what stuff like that gets you. So I don't know if Barsha was freaking out because he had a bad start and was like, I gotta, I gotta go for broke here and I'm just gonna blast everyone out of the way until I get to the front. Maybe he just was, he lost his temper. I don't know, uh, but I don't think you can win championships riding that way because of the very thing that happened with, uh, with Justin Bogle, right? And uh, Jason Anderson will, will, was kind of the same way last night. He didn't pay the consequences last night. He, he did at A1, but we'll get, to, uh, we'll get to Anderson soon enough. So my bad on skipping Barsha. We talked about Sexton. We'll go to number four at Ken Roxon. And I have Roxon at four from more of a macro perspective. Um, I just think he still belongs. You know, here he, he got the win at A1, and then he's, he got knocked down at San Diego, but I think he's a little shaken from that crash last weekend. Uh, It's just what I'm seeing in his riding. He does not look as sharp as he did before that crash in the whoops at Oakland. He just looks like he's a little off and crashes do that to people. They, they knock your confidence down and it looks to me like Roxon is not anywhere near as confident in himself and in the bike setup as he was going in day one. So let's see what happens here from here. Uh, Trey was pretty forthcoming that they're they're working on some things uh, based off of that. It, it wasn't just like, ah, you know, one-off thing, no big deal. Trey was pretty transparent that they are trying to sort out a few, a few issues that they perceive that they have. So watch that, see if that helps Kenny, if he can get back to setting the fastest lap times and, and doing all the things that he was at A1 because he hasn't been that same guy for a minute now. Number three, Jason Anderson. I, I put him to three because I think what we've seen over the last three weeks, he deserves it, man. He could very well have this red plate. And I think he would have if not for something that was out of his control. His radiator cap popped off, I believe, is what I was told. Uh, with, he made contact and then the cap popped off. You know, basically your radiator flexes, changes the, you know, the cap's not secured and it, it will pop off because of the pressure. And then he just lost coolant. I'm sure the bike was making all kinds of noise as it ran low on water and was overheating. 
you start to hear all kinds of metallic sounds that aren't good at all and very scary. That's why you saw him not jumping some of the bigger rhythm sections because he wanted to be able to step off the motorcycle or eject without, you know, injuring himself. But the riding is wildly impressive, just incredible right now. So I'm big on Anderson. I like what I'm seeing. The only caveat I have is the moves that he did with Barsha at A1 and the move he did with Roxon at San Diego, same as Barsha. I don't think you can do those things week in and week out and not pay the price. I just think that you get kind of caught up. Um, you know, at some point you're going to pay the price for that. And in a championship, when you're trying to avoid drama each week, that's not the right way to go about it. So I don't have a lot of bad things to say about Anderson other than I would I would really try to be mindful of creating enemies. I just don't think there's a lot to be gained by that and knocking people down and making hard contact. That's what that does. That that just puts someone like Roxon in the back of his mind like, yep, I owe him one. When I get the chance, I'm going to blast him back, right? And that's just that's just what happens. People people don't forget that stuff and they they bide their time and it's in the back of their mind and when they see the opportunity a lot of times they will take it. And that's very, very bad for championship, uh, you know, chances. Number two, Tomac. And I considered putting him at one. I really did. He has the red plate in January. That's key. He doesn't really do that. He, he I don't even know if he's ever had the red plate in January. I couldn't, if I said for sure that he did, I, I would be lying. Cause I don't know. I don't think he has ever had the red plate in January. So for everybody else, not named Eli Tomac, that's a scary proposition, right? And I don't think Tomac's riding's been all that great. Jason Anderson was able to pass him and, and really ride away from him. Tomac didn't have anything for him, in my, my estimation. He didn't really have anything for the top three at Oakland either. So it's not like Tomac is just on fire right now. I think the riding can get much better. I think he has a lot of upward mobility from here. All that being said, guess who's leading the points now? Eli Tomac. So that's a scary thing for, I think that's an understated point leaving San Diego is that the guy that's been really quiet, he's got one podium. He's also your points leader. And he's also arguably the most dangerous rider in this class when he gets momentum on his side. So just something to be mindful of, something to watch out for. I do want to say, though, if you're trying to be a detractor for Tomac, when was the last time you ever saw someone like Jason Anderson or Sexton or these guys pass him and then ride away from him? Like when, he, when Eli's at the front, right? No, I'm not saying when he's in 12th. I'm saying when Eli's at the front and he's riding well, he's got a good start, things are going his way, he's not dealing with some sort of mental block. How many times have you seen somebody just pass him and check out? I'll wait. Because I don't know of any. It just does not really happen to him. That's not an Eli Tomac trend like that you could ever go back to and say, yeah, that this is that happens to him. Here, 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 and this is why. No, that really doesn't happen. Like Eli's usually the charging from the back guy. He's the one you're always worried about. You know, he's the predator. Um, he's not the guy that starts at the front and then somebody goes by him and you're like, uh, I can't do anything about that. That's just not an Eli Tomac thing. So just the point I wanted to make, you know, the other side of that is Eli Tomac has your red plate. Number one, Cooper Webb, still my number one, and it's for the points, and the reasons I made earlier is that 
he's just hanging around, right? And if you've ever seen the movie Rounders, this is a really, uh, <laughs> very, uh, what's the right word here? Eclectic reference, obscure, there we go. Obscure reference, the movie Rounders, KGB in that movie is talking to Matt Damon. And it's John Malkovich talking to Matt Damon. And he's telling him, hanging around, hanging around all night, just hanging around. And he's, uh, John Malkovich is Russian, KGB obviously, in the movie. And he's, he's making a point that you're not finishing him, right? You gotta, you gotta knock people out when you have them on the ropes. And, and, and Webb is just hanging around quietly, you know, putting up points, staying there. He's just outside the points lead, has another decent night. But I think that this is strategic. You know, I'm sure he wants to win. It's not that. It's not like, I just want to get fourth. I'll just be cool. I'll hang out back here. It's not that. But I think he is willing to accept that finish because he knows what the process is. You get to round eight, 10, 12. Those fourths get much easier to be wins, seconds, and thirds because the field thins out. Guys wear themselves down, injuries set in, all these things happen. That's just the nature of this series. It's always been that way, right? So if Webb is able to stack points up now, stay right at that championship edge, that bodes very, very well for him down the stretch. So I just like that aspect of it. I don't like the aspect of that he doesn't seem fast enough. He's getting consistently passed by whether it's Roxon or Anderson or Tomac or Sexton or Mookie or Marvin or whoever, they have shown a propensity to pass him. Now, they don't always finish ahead of him, but he doesn't have his best top-end speed yet, right? Even in that heat race right now, Marvin reeled him in, you know? Like, Coop tried to check out, and then Marvin got right back to him, which that doesn't happen a lot to Webb, especially late in the season, you know, last year or 2019. So I don't love that side of it, but I, I do like on a bigger picture of how this is setting up for Webb. So that's it for this week. Um, I don't know if uh, Ricky tweeted me back. Should give a little update while I'm sitting here, but um, yeah, probably too aggressive on Ricky, poor guy. But I just, man, that, that Barsha Bogle thing was so, so damn obvious and uh, they just missed it. So anyway, stay tuned for more drama on that front. I'm sure I'll, you know, get blown out by Carmichael fans or whatever, but um, I hold Ricky in a in a high regard, and uh, I think they're they're capable of better analysis. Whether it's the uh, the spotter or you know producers or somebody somebody helping him get to like, hey man, there was, there was an incident with Bogle, Barsha knocked Bogle down. Watch for something, right? Something's gonna happen there, and then you see that, and you're like, oh well, this happened, or. Even like, and this is something I texted because I was had people coming in hot via text to me. It's fine. I think you could even go and say, "Man, that was weird. Something looked fishy there. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to get more information on like that didn't look right, right?" I would be much happier with that than I would saying that he stalled it, right? Because to me, that is not what it looks like for someone as smart as Ricky and someone as intuitive and you know, so much experience and insight and the resume, Ricky knows better than that. Like he was on the rear brake. He's looking left. He doesn't even go towards the berm. 
Barsha's on the outside, then he gooses it right into Barsha. Like, that's really obvious. Um, and I think if he had had or was given more information leading up to it, he could at least said, man, we need to we need to figure out what's up there because that was a very awkward incident, right? That was a really strange encounter that doesn't look right. Like, that doesn't look like your normal mistake that catapulted into another mistake. Uh, but anyway, getting off topic again. We'll see how this all unfolds. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Do I say anyway too much? I probably do. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week after A2 with another show. Please send in your questions. You can email me, jason36 at AOL. You can DM me. Um, You can do however, whatever you want. Um, Just get your questions to me so I can, you know, get you dialed in for fly racing prizes, Progo question of the week, Pirelli prizes, whatever we may have down the line as well. So that's it for this week. Talk to you soon. See you.